Divine Truth Interviews. Jesus, Mary and others are interviewed by members of the media and the public. Jesus is interviewed by Mary Magdalene on the topic of how the human soul functions. The interview was held on the 15th of April 2014 in Wilkesdale, Queensland, Australia. This is session three, part two. We're continuing our discussion of how the human soul functions. I'm here with Jesus and we're up to the principle of presence. So Jesus, can you tell us what the principle of presence is all about? Well, I thought I'd just read my notes first sure. for everyone and then we'll go through the notes perhaps one by one again. And um, we're wearing different colours because it's actually a different day. <laughs> we spoke too much yesterday, yeah. so obviously that's why we're wearing different colours today. It's not like we had a half change <laughs> through the day. But presence is the principle that for truth to be present and absorbed by the soul, love must also be present. So it's really talking about the presence of love. Mm -hmm. And a person who has truth in themselves, who honours the loving principle of the soul's free will and who wishes to share some truth, under all circumstances, this person will be able to tell you the truth about yourself if they have learnt the same truth about themselves. And this truth is present within their soul. So in other words, quite often I see people, and we can discuss these in more detail, but quite often we see people trying to share a truth with somebody, but they haven't even learnt that truth themselves, which means that they have no idea what they're talking about, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, B, will be able to logically describe the truth and define how it is the truth. In other words, they'll have a deep soul-based understanding which will, which will trigger their intellectual logic and be, they'll be able to describe to you logically why the, the thing they're sharing with you is, is the truth. Yeah. C, they will be able to tell you why the condition of error exists within you. In other words, if they are really developed in love, they will be able to feel what's going on in your life. They'll be able to feel what the source of your issues or problems are. And what they'll be able to do then is tell you uh, what was the underlying cause. And they'd want to do that too. They'd want to share that with you because they love you. Mm -hmm. So that it, they, it, wouldn't, they, it wouldn't be like an attack of you. It would be a sharing of what they know about you based on what they can feel from you that you might not be able to feel from even from yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, D, we'll be able to show you how to remove this condition of error. So in other words, they'll be able to say to you, you know, this is what you need to do if you're going to actually address this particular problem. Yeah. In other words, they'll want to help you address the problem. They won't just attack you with the fact that you've got one yeah. and then leave you high and dry and, and feeling terrible about yourself without showing you what the potential solution is of this particular problem. Yeah. Right? And then E, we'll want to do all of the above while honouring your free will. In other words, if you said, I don't want to hear any more, then they would stop. They wouldn't keep going and keep attack or keep attacking or keep being uh, bombastic or, or, or pushy with the information. They would honour your free will instantly. And the other way I see that um, we can often tell that a person doesn't have the presence of love while they're speaking um, is, and therefore doesn't have that truth within them is that often they're trying to manipulate the person's will into stopping what they're doing. Correct. So I'm telling you this so you stop that. And Correct. And that, that goes out of harmony with yeah. love straight yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. And then the last point is love, compassion and understanding will be present and within their own soul while performing all of the above actions. Yeah. So in other words, they'll have love for you, compassion for you, and they'll understand 
most of the, and if not all of what's going on for you during this process of the sharing of the truth. Yeah. Now, this is an indication that that person is, is firstly quite well developed in love, but secondly, also interested in loving you while they share the truth with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of people are not like this, of course. Most people, when they share truth, <laughs> quotation marks, with other people, it's very personally motivated. In other words, they're personally selfishly motivated. They're doing it for the reason of trying to stop something from happening in you that affects their life rather than doing it to help you uh, because you want help. Mm. Um, so most and people are not, uh, are not in the state of doing those things. Yeah. <laughs> it's also true that we might um, speak the truth just because we love the truth and to honour the truth in that situation, isn't it? It may not be specifically, I'm telling you this and now I'm going to help you through this whole big thing. Uh, but if, if the truth resides within me, I'll be able to honor, speak it with love mm. and, and be able to help that person if they are sincere about wanting, it, wanting help. So, th- there, but are, I also, oh, so there are times when the person sort of is in a situation where no one in the room wants any truth but in order to honour the truth themselves, they must speak it, but they wouldn't be speaking it in terms of trying to change anybody or trying to manipulate anybody or trying to make everybody feel bad about themselves or trying to judge everybody or for any other purpose. They'd be doing it only because they must stay in a condition of truth in that particular place. They won't... uh, And also, it's only when something becomes very, very unloving that you would consider doing that. So, So in other words, if everybody in the location was quite unloving to each other and, and there was a lot of other things going on, but, but they all wanted those interactions mm-hmm. and you were in the situation but you're in a state of truth, there's a high likelihood you would just sit in the situation and observe what's going on and you wouldn't say anything. Yes. Because, because nobody there wants to know anything from you mm-hmm. and they all want to remain in their condition that they're currently in yeah. and, and there is no effect on you unless they personally interact with you. Yes. And now if they personally interact with you, now it may be a different type of interaction where you say, well, I can't agree with that, but I'm happy to sit here and listen to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I can't agree with that because of these reasons that might come out. But that would probably only be needed if you were asked. Now, if everyone started to attack you in that situation, then obviously the person who's in harmony with love and truth would say, now, now all of you guys are getting out of hand now. You know, you, you're now attacking me for my, for my situation. I haven't been attacking you, even though I disagree with you. So this indicates to me that you're not very loving and, mm-hmm. and I don't really have any need to listen to you and the reality is I think it's time for me to leave rather than put up with this kind of stuff from you. Yeah. And, and, but again, you wouldn't be angry or demanding or expecting that they change or any of these other things. You, you would have compassion for the fact that they wish to remain in that particular condition and you wouldn't feel de- you know, uh, better than them or any of those things. You'd just say, no, I can't, I can't do this here in this situation because... While you're attacking me, you're not being very nice to me and that's, that's something that I can't allow. Mm. So you would then probably leave the situation. So a person in truth is often very, very, you know, they're very, very connected with themselves and they are not angry with everybody all the time and they're not bitter with everyone all the time and they don't, don't get, you know, it's very rare for, for them. If, you know, once they're at one, we've got, you never get involved in bitter conversations or accusations because there's no need to. And, you know, if a person's that resistive to truth, then obviously there's no need for you to be involved with it. And under those circumstances, you would be quite completely, which is like the kind of situations that were surrounding my death in the first century. That was the reason why I was quite completely, 
because in that situation, nobody wanted to hear the truth. Nobody wanted to listen to what I had to say. Nobody cared about it. I was there by their force. Mm -hmm. There was nothing I could do about that unless I resorted to violence. And so the only action I could do was to not speak. Yeah. And so I didn't. Yeah. And, and sometimes a person who's living in harmony truth won't speak. Yeah. No yeah. matter what the provocation. Mm. Mm. So really to summarise what you've just spoken about there, you're really saying that when a truth has been absorbed into us... So yes, now we, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. If it's inside of our soul, yeah. yes. Then whenever we um, are in any situation, mm-hmm. um, love with regards to that truth will guide us. Like we'll have a loving attitude towards that truth so we won't be forcing it and we won't... Won't be angry we about won't be the angry truth about itself, it. um, we or won't. the fact that other people are in error about that truth. Yeah, and we won't try and force it upon others. No. But when we do present that truth, there will always be love within us, yes. and we will be clear and calm, and we'll be able to have a logical expression of it yes. and discussion of it. Should that be welcomed, and we would have compassion on top of that for the people who are listening, yes, and their condition and the fact that they might not understand what we're talking about, and so we'd probably sometimes have quite long discussions with them trying to explain. And the only time we would leave those discussions probably or ask them to leave if we had control of the room or the house or whatever it was yeah. would, be, would be if they become unloving in their actions towards yes. us. Then, of course, we would go, well, now, now things are out of harmony with love, so I, I can't be here. Yeah. But even that wouldn't be an angry reaction. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Once we're at one with God, it won't be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So let's contrast that with a person who doesn't have presence, if you like, who who doesn't understand presence. So a person who does not have truth in themselves, who does not honour the loving principle of the soul's free will, and who wishes to share some truth, in quotation marks now, Mm -hmm. under any circumstance, will generally attempt to attack or denigrate you with their truth. So that's very different. That's now an unloving act. Mm -hmm. They're trying... They might know something about you. So they might know something even that you're trying to keep secret or whatever um, or that you feel ashamed of and they purposely raise that particular thing in order to, for you to feel worse. Yeah. You know, that, that's their purpose. That's yeah. their underlying goal. Their underlying goal is to make you feel worse about yourself. Yeah. That's an indication of a person who has no love in them at all and who doesn't understand this principle of presence, right? They will attempt to belittle or humiliate you with their truth, right? They will have no logical idea or concept as to why their truth is what they believe the truth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. They will not be able to tell you why the condition of error exists within you because they have no idea and most probably a worse condition exists in themselves. Mm-hmm. They will not be able or want to show you how to remove the condition of error because basically they don't care about the fact that it exists. They just want to highlight it in order to attack you. Yeah. So they don't, they don't care that you have the condition and they also don't care, you know, about helping you remove it. They Mm. have no intention, in fact, of Mm. helping you remove it. They'd like it to be worse, Mm. (laughs) which is what they're trying to create or achieve. They're trying to make you feel worse and therefore have the condition worse. You see this very a lot with uh, this kind of attitude a lot with media interviews. They're constantly baiting people so that they get the reaction in the other person. That's an indication of a of a person who doesn't want the truth. No, you know, a media person who wants the truth won't bait people. They will, they will, you know, see the resistance and maybe point it out. Yeah. But they won't bait them and try to trigger them into rage or anger or some other emotion. Mm-hmm. They they would they would allow the person to say, "No, I don't want to answer that," 
And so they say, okay, you know, our next question sort of, sort of thing. Yeah. And just let that comment that the person doesn't want to engage speak for itself. Yes. And, yeah. and the reality is there's not many media people like that who no. do that. No, They will honour, the person in error will not honour your free will to accept or reject the truth given. In other words, yeah. they won't honour your free will to even oftentimes speak. Yeah. But if they do allow you to speak, they will not honour your free will to say, no, I don't agree. Yeah. Or, or, you know, or to be in disharmony with what they believe. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the problem. And they will not be able to do any of the above with compassion, love mm. and understanding, because love, compassion and understanding are not present within their soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we examine this aspect of presence, it's really about the presence of love. Yeah. And the, a person cannot be the presence of love unless love exists within them to mm -hmm. some degree. Mm -hmm. And this is why most people have trouble with this particular aspect of the soul. They, they often are not, have no presence of love within them, even if they're seeking for truth. Many times there's not much of a presence of love inside of them. And so they become very angry, demanding, expect, you know, have hard expectations. And as a result, no truth can really enter them, nor can any truth be discussed without there being some discussion about the emotional condition that prevents the truth from entering them. Yeah, so, so let's, let's talk about this then because really we're, now we're starting to talk about something else. So really um, you're saying that if, if a truth exists within our soul, mm -hmm. love will be present with it, that yeah, truth in relation to that truth. If it's, if it's truly truth. in our soul, if yes. it's not just an intellectual idea. Yeah. This is what the problem is for many. It's just an intellectual idea and, and, and it's not entered their soul yet. So it's not something their soul really feels. Yeah. It's something that they, they think is a good concept that they have honoured maybe through their intellect. But because it's not in their soul, because it's not something that's in them, inside of them, what they do is they have a tendency... To, to relate a whole heap of information, a whole heap of what they believe is true. But there's no love in them at all mm -hmm. to allow for that truth to be discussed with them themselves. Yeah. Like they themselves are not going to be able to receive what's being said. Yeah. 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 And we've had uh, many examples of this. If some people look at some of the media interviews we've had, you'll see many examples of this. There was one young man who came to interview us um, at our home and, and he eventually walked off the interview and the main reason why he did was because there was no presence in him, no presence of love in him. Mm -hmm. He had no desire to find out the truth at all. Mm -hmm. It was all about other addictive emotions that he was trying to satisfy. And as a result, it was impossible to share any truth with him, whether it was personal or you, you could see him even if it was not personal. He was there, you know, thinking about other things. He wasn't even listening to the conversation. Yeah. There was nothing going into him. Yeah. And a, a conversation like that is pointless. Yes. And then, of course, when it became personal... Now he becomes defensive, angry, resistive yep. and all those kind of things and starts a personal attack of myself and so forth. And, and that's an all, another indication that it's all, there's, no, there's no desire in the man for any presence. There's no desire to love in the process. Yes, so this is, this is where um, sort of you've been talking a lot about relating the truth and how when we relate the truth, love is present mm -hmm. if it's within our soul. Mm -hmm. And now you're beginning to speak about how receiving it. receiving the truth and how that how the presence or the lack of presence of love affects our receipt of truth correct yeah yeah so you're saying unless there is a presence of love within us or at least a desire to love within us yep 
Yes. So, I do, so let's talk about what needs to be present yes. in order for us to receive truth. Well, well, it's love that needs to be present in uh -huh. order for us to receive truth. So I think we've made that clear. But, but I feel there's aspects of love. That, yes, that that's person, what I'm asking. And that's what yeah. you're really asking, yeah. yeah. So uh, some of the aspects of love are being open to a new concept. That's yeah. an aspect of love. Being open to the fact that there might be an emotional issue is yeah. an aspect of love. Being open to the fact that, that you might have resistance to the discussion of, an, of certain information is an aspect of love. Mm -hmm. If you're not open to such things, then there's no aspect of love in you or desire to love. Yeah. And as a result, it's impossible to really share truth with a person who's mm -hmm. like that. And the only circumstance where you would was is if they were in your presence, in, in your company, uh, then you would, you would, or if they were at your home, which mm -hmm. in the case of this man, he was, yep. he was at my home. If it was at his home, I would have done something completely different. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're the only times that you would probably engage it if you had control of the situation from a, from a environmental perspective. Yep. The other times you would probably just be quiet because you know that anything you say um, is not wanted anyway, yep. and uh, so you wouldn't probably engage. Yep. And they, the only thing they'd probably question after you left was, well, that man was a pretty quiet man, uh, didn't get to know him very well. <laughs> a lot of people, I've been with you in social situations where people have said that to me afterwards, gee whiz, he, he doesn't talk much. <laughs> and and um, of course I know that you're very sensitive to the will of everyone around you. Correct. If they don't want to hear from you, you don't talk to them. Yeah. And um, yeah. I often think that's... That's funny that people have a perception that you're going to be a certain way in a social situation. Of course, because, because in, you, when we share publicly, we're, yes. we're, we're making the presumption, and it's a valid presumption, yeah. that, that uh, people who come to listen to us speak want to learn about love. Yeah. And when we go to a social situation, I never make that presumption. No. I'm always going, well, what's happening here? What, what's their feelings coming yeah. from them? And the, if the feelings coming from it is they don't want to hear to me at all, then I don't say anything. Yeah. So the, sometimes we have whole, whole evenings where I say nothing and yeah. they ask you a whole series of questions because they're interested in you, but they're not interested in me, so I don't say anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then they go away saying, oh, he was pretty quiet. I wonder what was going on with him. <laughs> and I say, well, they could have asked me that and I could have told them, but they didn't even want to know that. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A person who's present with love would automatically be sensitive to those things. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so this, this aspect of presence and truth and the relationships, relationship between the presence of love and the, uh, really the presence of truth, that's, that, I'm getting all wordy, but <laughs> <laughs> that if love is not present, it's impossible to reflect truth, really, if you're going to honour. Well, yeah, you're really, all you're doing there is reflecting an intellectual concept yep. from a memory-based, uh, you know, idea that you've heard from somebody that you liked. Yeah. You're not actually reflecting it from what your true condition mm. is. It's not something that you actually know. It's not something that you actually practice. And almost, it's, it's almost hypocritical. Yes. Because really, it's just an intellectual concept you're sharing with from yourself to another person that you yourself don't yet have a soul perspective, perspective of yeah. and you, don't yet have, ha, ha, you haven't yet absorbed it into your soul. Yeah. So, so <laughs> you're sort of sharing something that you just think is a great idea and then getting upset about it <laughs> when somebody <laughs> doesn't accept it, which is actually the true condition of your soul. Yeah. Because when you get upset about it when someone doesn't accept it, you're approving that your true condition of your soul is much darker than what you even thought it was before you started sharing that mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel a lot of people um, don't understand this principle of love-based interactions. So when you're present in love, 
and this is the aspect of the soul. The love has to be in your soul to yeah. be present in love. It yeah. can't be just an intellectual concept. Yeah. It has to be something that's actually driven by a real feeling inside yeah. of your soul because if not, you're going to slip up. Yeah. Sooner or later, they're going to say something and that gets you hot under the collar and then you say something back and there, bang, you're out of, you're yeah. out of the intellectual facade yeah. and, and you're into the real condition of your yeah. soul. And when you are actually feeling true presence and you're feeling the feeling of love inside yeah. of you, you don't do that. Yeah. I just want to talk to you about you saying when we, when we are present in love and when we have true presence. And I get a bit thingy about that because there's a lot of natural, what I would call new age philosophies that talk about presence yeah. and being a presence of love. And, and I'm not talking about the, any of those airy-fairy concepts or ideas <laughs> you're, here. You're really just talking about when love is present within us. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Love has to exist within your yep. soul. Yep. It has to be inside of you. Yep. When love is inside of you, now you can be loving with other people. Yep. You can't manufacture an idea or concept of love and be loving with someone if love doesn't exist with inside of you. Yep. Now, usually everybody has a degree of love inside of them to, you know, at, to some extent. And when mm -hmm. I say a degree of love, there are certain circumstances and situations where there's no resistance to love and, there's no, and there has been some absorption of truth where they are quite relaxed and able to show some or demonstrate some kind of love to another. For example, the average guy in Australia who drinks a bit, when he gets together with his mates and they all get together and have a bit of a drink, generally many of them are quite loving to each other at that point and sometimes even more loving than they would have been before they had the drink because the drink sort of loosened up their emotions a little yep. and now they start to display some of their true feelings for each other which uh -huh. are sometimes quite loving and matey, yep. you know. Yep. And that's why a lot of them love to get together and have a drink because that's when they feel some flow of love between each other. Of course, it requires uh, an addiction before it happens. Mm -hmm. But as soon as one of them starts saying something the other one doesn't agree with, now, because they're lubricated, if you like, by the alcohol... Now they quickly go from a bit of presence of love to no presence of love at all and now they're angry with each other and almost yeah. fight and sometimes they fight and sometimes they hurt each other, you know. Yep. And that's why it switches so rapidly because on one subject you can be presence in, present in love and, or, have, love or present. have some love present in that subject yep. but on another subject you can have none whatsoever. Yeah. And as soon as that particular subject gets triggered, you've not loving at all. Mm. And, and, and a person who's grown in love is... is present with love on more and more and more subjects to eventually, when you become at one with God, you're present in love on all subjects. Yep. There's not a single subject that a person can raise with you that upsets you, that makes you feel stressed out, that makes you get angry, that makes you feel afraid, any of those things. That's what happens when you become at one with God. And up until that time, you're a person in progression. Yeah. Right? You're progressing with your soul, and so you're learning how to become like that. But, mm -hmm. uh, but it's only when love is inside of you that you're actually like that on any given subject. And a lot of the other principles we've been discussing in this series have been all about how to get love into your soul on certain issues, hasn't it? Yes. These, these issues of absorption and resistance and all yes. of those principles affect how we can actually become more present in love. Yes. So in but, the example that I gave, maybe, if we can give an example, yep. you know, if the two guys getting together, have a bit of drink, they feel real matey with each other, feel a fair bit of love flowing between them, they really like each other's company, and then all of a sudden some subject's brought up that one of them doesn't like, he gets all upset and angry and starts taking his anger and rage out on the other. Well, that's an indication that that particular subject for that man he has a lot of resistance on, 
there's no soul absorption at all that has occurred on that yep. subject with truth. Yep. And obviously he has a lot of preclusive, preclusive emotions that preclude any soul absorption of truth on that subject. Yep. His true state on that subject will dominate him. Yep. And, and because he's alcohol-based, there's less facade. Mm-hmm. And so now the true subject dominates him without facade. And so he now is engaged in an angry exchange. Mm-hmm. And, and that is an indication that the truth does not exist in his soul on that subject. Even if he had had a drink... If the truth existed in his soul on the subject, he wouldn't have got angry on that subject, no matter how challenging the subject is. Yeah, mm. yeah, got you, yeah. got you. All right, so um, so basically my understanding is that when the truth is received into the soul, not just the intellect, mm-hmm. then love is also present or will come from us when we present this truth. Yes. That's the first thing we've established. Yeah. Well, can I also discuss another relationship there, perhaps? Yeah. Because it's very important for people to understand some relationships between truth and love. Remember that truth opens your heart to love. Uh So, So remember, humility opens your heart to truth, and truth opens your heart to love. So if you have absorbed the truth inside of your soul, it's highly likely, if it's really there, it's highly likely you've also allowed some love to flow into you about that subject. Yes. Right? Because of the way that truth is the doorway to love. To love. It, it, it means that if you've allowed some truth on a given subject to flow into your soul, then it's highly likely you, you feel some love on that particular subject inside of your soul as well. And this is why the two often go hand in hand if they're in your soul. If there is a separation of love and truth in you and you're just reaming off intellectual ideas... And there is no, like, it's, ov- it's obvious there's no love in your soul about that subject, then it means that you probably haven't absorbed the truth in your soul about that subject. And also, no love has been able to flow into your soul about that subject. Yeah. And then the best course of action to take would be to find the emotional resistance that exists within your soul about that subject and work through the emotional reasons or the emotional feelings that caused you to preclude these emotions in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also saying there, though, that um, even when a certain truth may not be within our soul on on a certain subject, if there are other... If love is present in other ways through our desire to grow or through our desire to... um, even receive truth that we haven't previously got, Mm -hmm. that almost creates a loving condition for the truth then to enter us. And without that, the truth is just, it's just going to be an intellectual discussion. Yes. And and really all we're doing is without the love being present in the soul and without truth being present in the soul, all we're really doing is just reaming off memory-based intellectual thoughts. In other words, there's things that have entered our mind that we remember and that we maybe even, from our mind's perspective, like the concept of, mm-hmm. um, but yet, as yet we don't personally practice them in our heart. We don't in our soul. We're totally de- detuned from them. In fact, and in fact, sometimes because we love facades on earth, there is a tendency to actually like that condition where the soul is in a completely different state than the intellect would tend to indicate, mm-hmm. uh, even to ourselves. And, uh, and we need to understand the difference between those two states mm. before we make any progress. Because while the soul is in a state of the resistance to the truth and while it's in a state where it precludes the absorption of new truths and love, 
then it doesn't matter how much we talk about love and it doesn't matter how much we think about love and it doesn't matter how much we read about it and it doesn't matter how much we so-called share our life with others, there is not going to be any love coming from our soul. And, and until we remove the resistance, that will be the case. Yeah. And if, so if we don't remove it in 100 years, it'll be a case for 100 years. Sometimes I have this little uh, joke with you about people viewing you as a Google machine yeah. as, um, because sometimes we get in situations where people are continually asking you questions. Question after question. About after the universe, question. about God, about the spirit world, yeah. about even personal progression. Yeah. But there isn't a presence of a desire to really receive that, yeah, the answers into, in an emotional way. Yes, it's quite funny sometimes because you know the feeling is quite strong. You can feel it quite strongly after a while. You can feel that that person has no desire to hear the answer. Mm -hmm. There is no love in them asking the question and there's no desire for them to have a personal change from getting the response to the question. They're just asking the question. And the only reason why I generally answer those questions in a group environment is because I can feel other people in the audience do have a feeling that they would want to know the answer to the question and they want to address the issue somehow emotionally. And then I'll share. If I feel that no one in the group or very few people in the group are wanting to hear that answer to that question, then I will focus the person who's asked the question on their emotional condition, yeah. what, what's going on for them as to why they keep barraging me with questions, treating me like I'm a machine, while at the same time want, not wanting to know or feel about any of the answers I give them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it can almost be a sort of addiction, can't it, to just engaging the intellect around our progress to help avoid where we're really at. Yeah. 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 I know yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. So I find a lot of people um, who ask questions are asking questions in their addiction. So, you know, whether it be in their fear, in their shame, in their... Now, in some cases, I answer those questions because I feel like, well, no, there is an issue here for them that they need to address if they can address it, if I can raise it and they can address it. That's being kind to them. Uh, And it's also sometimes driven by spirits who want to know uh, the answer to such questions. As I feel like, well, now now I've got a valid reason for answering this question. But when I feel that it's just a barrage of questions for the sake of getting information to allay certain addictions that they have or or to meet certain addictions they have, then I feel like, no, now we've got to focus on the addiction because unless I focus on the addiction, the aspect of preclusion means that means that they will not absorb anything I'm saying to them. And it's like talking to a brick wall. Yeah. From my perspective, that's what it actually feels like. It actually feels like you're beating your head against <laughs> a brick wall going, <laughs> you know, with no result. Yeah. And, and that's what it's like talking to some people when it comes to, you know, giving them an answer to the questions they ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so if we discuss this principle from another angle now, sure, yeah, sure. Um, in the way that we might begin to analyse what's being presented to us. Yes. So given what you've said, if we are hearing something from someone and love is not present, mm-hmm. then how do we deal with that situation? Well, if we're hearing information from people where love is not present, they obviously have a motivation inside of them to bring up this information in order to attack us in some way or to humiliate us in some way or to denigrate us in some way or or, or some other reason. Or they could be bringing up the information to meet one of their own addictions, Mm. which is actually a selfish act. 
So if, firstly, we would need to look at two things. One thing is we need to look at why we receive such comments and criticisms. You see, there's obviously an aspect of love of ourselves that allow us to absorb error-based emotions from other people. And remember, if there is an error inside of us that, that precludes the truth from entering, or there's, a, there's no truth inside of us that exists to preclude an error from entering, then these errors where other people treat us badly and we accept them treating us badly will enter us. Mm. And so it's very important for us to, in those interactions to understand that obviously if I'm accepting something that's not given to me in love and it's not giving to me, you know, with the desire to improve, and it's not explanatory, and it's all those, not all of those things we listed in the first section about presence, yep. then, then we can say to ourselves, well, obviously there's something else going on here, and I'm just allowing some abuse now, and what I need to do, and it doesn't matter what the person's saying, you know, what, what they think they're saying, it doesn't matter what they're saying. If I'm allowing abuse, then obviously there's a point of learning here for me about why I allow an error-based unloving feeling entering me all the time and why I allow myself to be in a situation all the time where I'm getting attacked. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some times when you think about those issues where there might be a reason, and, and that is to demonstrate love to other people not, you know, who, are, who are there yep. or other people who are watching. Yep. But, but that's about the only reasons why you would stay. And even then, you've got to be careful that you're not sacrificing yourself just for the sake of other people learning something. Uh -huh. so, so we'd have to analyse why we're sitting there allowing this barrage and what's actually going on. Because most of the time when we're in a situation where love is not present and we're allowing a barrage of information to come to us, it's usually because the, the person who's doing the barraging has actually, is emotionally manipulating us in, a, in some way or attempting to. And they're trying to elicit a response in us that is, you know, that, that they feel they wish to elicit. In other words, they're trying to drive us to a certain point, mm. whether that be to a point of agreement or whether it be to a point of anger mm. or rage or some other emotion that's unloving. Uh, even agreeing with them under those circumstances would be unloving. Mm -hmm. so, so this is where we have to be very careful that we're not being emotionally manipulated by a person who's unloving, yeah. who, who quotes some intellectual idea or concept that is truthful to us and uses that as an excuse to be unloving towards us. Yeah. So, so if I can give an example, uh -huh. I had one media representative say to me that he could abuse me as much as I like because I, if I was Jesus, would forgive him. Now, that's an example of a person who's emotionally manipulative, who does not understand the principle of forgiveness in their own soul mm -hmm. and who has no desire to love at all and is willing to attack another people, person and then use a truth that he's heard intellectually against that person to cause them to accept such attack. Yeah. Now, that, you know, that's highly manipulative and it's totally out of line with any any truth yep. and and any question that the person asks under those circumstances he's, he's never going to hear the answer to mm. so mm. so it's pointless having a discussion with such a person yeah and i suppose there's a lot of examples i could bring up in this area mm -hmm. uh, where i see people excusing abuse really mm. um using divine truth terminology if i can call it that i mm. know neither of us like to have 
a lot of terminology, terminology but yeah. it does happen. But um, for example, I've heard people excuse their treatment of other people and saying, well, you attracted it. It's your law of attraction. Mm. So There's um, an example. Yeah. As an example of a person with no presence, no yeah. love, no love is present there. They're basically blaming the other person for their abuse of the other person. Yes. That's, yeah. that's a very unloving thing to do. That, you know, basically a pedophile does that. Yeah. They blame the child for the sexual abuse of the child. Yeah. So, so you're not far removed from a pedophile when you start doing things like that, yeah. to be honest, in yeah. your soul condition. Yeah. So it's a very damaging thing to your soul to start using the excuse that because the other person attracted it, you can go ahead and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Or that you don't need to look at what you did. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it indicates there's no love present around even the understanding of the law of attraction. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. no understanding at all of the law in their soul. Yeah. They might have heard a few concepts yeah. and now they're, they're now distorting the truth of those mm -hmm. concepts in order to manipulate their other pers another person to absorb their abuse. Yeah. And that's a highly unloving act. Yeah. And, and in fact, anybody who engages in those acts has no understanding of the divine truth in their soul at all. Because yeah. if they did, if they had received some of God's love, they'd never be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Never be able to do such a thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. There's other areas where I see people... I suppose when we have a lot of error inside of us and addictions, mm -hmm. it's easy to manipulate easy to allow ourselves to get away with manipulating the things that you say. Yes. And so I was thinking uh, as you were speaking about an example of someone that I heard from who'd been in a workshop in a in their workplace mm -hmm. where where some principles about I don't know, we might call them natural love teachings. I don't like using that terminology either. We're being presented in a workshop format mm -hmm. and that person was obligated to be there for their work. Yep. They felt that there was no love present and so they were obligated to speak the truth mm -hmm. and they felt this person who was presenting it was being quite unloving. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously I took issue with that because that person was um, not in control of that environment. Correct. Um, the person was doing their job and not forcing this material on the people. They were, they were presenting what they were being asked to present. Yep. And the person in the audience was actually using the excuse of needing to stand up for truth when they, in fact, were being quite attacking and Correct. belligerent and taking away from the flow of this person who was simply just trying to do their job. In other words, the person claiming to be the person who had love yes. was actually one of the most unloving people in the room yeah. by standing up and interrupting the flow of the entire discussion and, and then getting many other angry people. with that with fact. And then potentially, I don't know whether he walked out or not, but I, I suspect that he may have. Uh, no, I don't no. think he did. He but stayed he along stayed to the end. He stayed and annoyed them to yeah. the end, yeah. Yeah, which is one of the worst things you could ever do. You, yeah. you know, if you're going to... If you, if you felt that annoyed, you should leave. Yeah. And so then everyone can be relieved of your presence. Yeah. And that indicates how strongly there is no love inside of that person, even though they think they, there is. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose that's the thing that... Basically, from what you're saying, I feel that you're saying that if love is present when someone is presenting a truth, then we can trust that a lot. Well, uh, but it yep. depends a lot upon our understanding or our understandings of what love is, because a lot of people. And this will, is the problem: if yeah. love is not present in your soul, you don't understand what love is, even if you think you do. Exactly. And this is the state that most people are in on the planet. They mm. think they know what love is when it's just full of addictive codependence, mm -hmm. and they have no understanding what love is. So, under the circumstances where we're sitting in an environment where we don't have to. 
participate if we don't want to, where we don't even have to be there if we don't want to, and we're not forced to be there, someone isn't jailing us to be there, and we and are just speaking about things that we disagree with, then why would you choose to... Why would you feel that truth compels you to yeah, interrupt? There's no, truth yeah, doesn't, truth only compels you if you were in a situation where you had to speak up as a result of someone attacking you personally and under those circumstances you're not getting attacked personally, yeah. you're just sitting there in an audience. You don't have to participate very much. If someone asks you to participate, we say, well, I, I don't know if I can because I, I don't know if I agree with everything that was being said. And then if they say, well, what don't you agree with, then you, you have an opening and an opportunity to share what you don't disagree with, where, that you disagree, what you disagree with. But you don't have to then get all upset about it or mm. abusive about it or, and attack the person and constantly berate them and pull them down for the entire period, which is what I understand this person had a tendency to do. And, and when you do things like that, you're demonstrating that even though you've heard principles of divine truth, you know nothing about them, nothing mm. about them. And you just think you know and you're just, you're just parroting off memories that you've had of hearing it and no love has entered your soul and no truth has entered your soul actually. Yeah. And, you, and if a person's in that condition, I would advise them to take a lot stronger look, an honest look at their true condition of their soul and a lot stronger look at all of the resistances they have towards love. Mm. Mm. And I suppose I find it really sad that we, it's to talk about all these negative things mm -hmm. because it's such a beautiful principle. It's a wonderful a principle. And yeah. yet um, it seems like there's an abuse of the ideas of love and truth a lot. I, I feel that most people on earth maybe don't have a feeling that, it, you know, I suppose you could say there are three classes of people uh, generally. There's the class of people who desire to love and they want to learn and they're quite open and humble. Then there's the class of people who think they want to love but they're not humble and they have no desire to learn yeah. but they think they do. Yeah. You know, so these are people who are often in a lot of facade and we meet a lot of those kind of people in our seminars. And then there's the kind of people who know they don't want to love, they just want to be angry and attacking and they want to abuse other people and they want to attack other people and they want to make fun of other people. Yeah. And they know they do. Yeah. <laughs> and in some ways I find them more honest yes. than the middle group. Because yeah. at least with those people you know where you stand when you're having a conversation. Yeah. Of course a person who's in harmony with love, who has presence in their soul with truth, they can tell the different types of people quite readily or easily. The problem is talking to those kind of people under those circumstances. You know, a person who knows they want to attack you, it's pretty obvious they want to attack you, right? Yeah. A person who wants to have the facade uh, of, of being nice while they're attacking you, then that kind of person is self-delusional and often very, very difficult to talk with and has no presence of love or truth in their soul yet, but they think they do. Yeah. And this is a very dangerous state. There's many people that have stayed in this state for many hundreds of years um, because they think they are wise and knowing and truthful and loving when the reality is it's just a, all a facade and their true condition is very, very different. Yeah, I believe that they're in the worst condition, or in the worst, maybe not the worst condition, but in the worst um, situation when it comes to growth. When we're addicted yes, to facade... they are most prone to stagnation. Yeah, when yes. we're addicted to facade, then yeah. we're, we're further away from progress than the person who just says, no, I'm angry yeah. and yeah, I'm and not hiding it. And also I want to attack you and I want to abuse you. Yeah. Oftentimes the person who says, I'm angry, I want to attack you, I want to abuse you, 
you know, they have oftentimes in, in history, and we've met many of them in the spirit world, where, they, where they've gone through some kind of change for some one reason, they wanted to love for one reason, and all of a sudden they realise their condition and they're just as passionate desiring love yes. as they were desiring to hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they say, they switch from hating your guts to wanting to love you yeah. uh, without going through the middle road of being in a facade and making yeah. out they love you when they don't. Yeah. And oftentimes it is the people who make out things, who, who, who are facade and who are trying to, to maintain and, and perpetrate their facade, they are the people who often have the most stagnation issues yeah. because they are often in a state where they've fooled themselves even about what their true condition is mm-hmm. and they are the people that are the most difficult to deal with mm. actually because you can't convince them that they are in the condition they're actually in and, uh, and you've got to wait until they go through some kind of self you know, self-analysis and self-assessment, which they are prone to not do because they already believe they're in the right condition. Yeah. And so therefore they feel they don't need to do it. Yeah. And probably a fair majority of the people listening to Divine Truth at the moment are in that class where they're not honest about their true state or condition. They just like, they're in this state where they believe they would know everything and they believe they get it and they believe they are being loving, they believe all these things about themselves, completely unwilling to look at their facade and, and yet they're the, some of the most difficult people that there are to handle and yeah. difficult people to interact with. The people we really love interacting with, of course, are the people who are open, honest, truthful about all of their condition, while at the same time they have some presence of love and desire to love at least. And Because you can be, have a desire to love without having yet a presence of love. Mm. And, and even that is a better condition mm. than a person who believes themselves to already be loving. Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting. And, and sometimes historically, if you look at the spirit world, sometimes it's been those ones who are hateful and attacking, some even who caused my death who were hateful and attacking, uh, became just as passionate supporters <laughs> later <laughs> as they were passionate defenders of their own falsehoods before that time, they were so passionately defending their own falsehood before that time, they were willing to kill me. Mm. And then after they realised their, their error and, beca- and went through a state of repentance, they become passionate supporters. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't go through this middle yeah. road of, you know, they acknowledged the error, they acknowledged what they did, they acknowledged their true condition and then made changes. And like even Cornelius was one of those persons who made so those kind of switches and changes he wasn't a, fa- a facade person at all. <laughs> so, so, you know, he, he was a good example of yes. a person like that. Yeah. Mm. And, it, and it seems to be that the injuries that create us having an investment in our facade, either towards ourselves or towards others or both, mm. are some of the most um, damaging to us really engaging with how the human soul functions. Yes. Because we do require that honesty, don't we? Yes. Uh, with ourselves and with others in order to just get the process going. Always. Yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah. And, and of course what we're trying to achieve here in this discussion about how the human soul functions is we're trying to help you, the listener, to, to actually see how your own soul has been created and functions and also help you have a bit better uh, self-assessment of your own soul and, and what is stopping it from growth and what's stopping it from progression. So that's our goal in these, all these conversations. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to, if you're happy, I'll just run through some sure. of the notes that sure. we made 
try just to make sure we've covered everything. Because yep. um, as I said, sometimes I feel like we get negative in talking about this stuff when actually, when you're with someone who has the presence of love, when they deliver truth, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and, and it's very rare that, like a person who has a presence of love and is delivering a truth, it's a, it's a beautiful gift to be there. Yep. Honestly, it's a beautiful gift. It's um, because, because it is a rare thing. And also, they have a pure desire, without any facade, to assist you, mm -hmm. to help you grow, to help you change, to help you get rid of what your resistance is emotionally. And why wouldn't you honour what they're saying under those circumstances? Yeah, and I suppose I'm one of the very, very fortunate people on the planet at the moment to receive a lot of truth in the presence of love. Mm. And I do feel that. Yeah. And I feel the power of that. Yeah. I feel the... Um, how much easier it is actually to receive truth when love is coming with it. Yeah. And it inspires me a lot to be able to offer that gift to other people because it really is life-changing. And, yes. um, yeah, I feel very passionately about yeah. that. When, it, when I receive a truth and love is not present, then I need to analyse it on its merits, yeah. of course, because yeah. I wouldn't be humble if I didn't. If yeah. someone gives me feedback or presents something to me and I can feel there's not love there, I don't dismiss it out of hand. No. Um, but when love is present, that is, yeah, it's just very beautiful. Yes. Obviously, for myself, it's rare for me to yeah. present, for, for others to present to me any truth without there being a large degree of unloving behaviour associated with it, unfortunately. Yeah. And obviously, I allow myself to feel about those kind of feelings rather than attacking the person in return. And, and I need to work through issues of self-love mm -hmm. that I obviously have yet to issue work through with those particular things. We have to be careful here with one particular aspect of this, though. We find a lot of people uh, believe they are speaking with celestial spirits because they are so loving, <laughs> in quotations, yeah. when the reality is they are speaking with spirits who, from the first sphere who are manipulating them through their addictions. Mm -hmm. And quite often people on earth do believe that when a person, another person meets their addictions, it means that person is being loving to them. Yeah. And that is not true. If a person is meeting your addictions, they are not being loving to you. They are assisting you to remain separate from love and separate from truth. And so this is something where I find a lot of people really struggle with me because, because I will not be generally in a situation where I wish to meet a person's addictions. Mm -hmm. Now, under those circumstances, because most people believe that the meeting of addictions is the act of love, yeah. they then feel that I'm not very loving. Yeah. And I feel that that's something that they need to have a look at. Because the reality is a person who doesn't meet your addictions is the most loving person in the room mm -hmm. to, to you. And unfortunately on earth there are so many people who are engaged in constant addictive relationships that have become so used to having their addictions met that they believe the only way they get love is by having their addictions met. Yeah. And in fact that's not love, that's, that's a codependent bartering system and it's not the gift of love being offered to them even though they may feel it is. Yeah. So I think we need to make that sort of caveat on this discussion. It, definitely, uh, yeah. The, yeah. And that's why I sort of said earlier about it depends very much on how much love we we understand, how much we really understand love, doesn't it? Yes, and, and the average person obviously doesn't understand love very much. No. So, so we need to honour the fact that we don't. Yeah. 
We, we've grown up in an environment that hasn't taught us anything about yeah. love. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's taught us a lot about codependent addictions. Yeah. But it hasn't taught us hardly anything about that. true, the gift of true love, the the gift of a of a of a love that doesn't require self-sacrifice, but it doesn't require the sacrifice of others. Yeah. And I know also um, because of my many addictions and fears that I've lived in resistance to for a long time, when I would be telling truth to people in the past, I was often in a lot of addiction myself. Yeah. And uh, what I know from that, and so my, my truth giving might go something like, I know what this is like for you because uh, I've got all these issues as and bang, well. there's the addiction. Yeah. So that's me trying to say yeah. um, it's okay, I'm, I'm with you and you're, you, you don't be confronted because I'm like you. Yes, you're already trying to pacify the potential response of yeah. the individual yeah. and this is an attempt to manipulate their response emotionally which is actually an attempt to manipulate their will which is not loving yes <laughs> and so i would go on like this and say but you know you have this issue and that you know it comes from your childhood so you know you're gonna you can work through and all this kind of Pac crap. pacifist Yes. Pacifying. It's like yes. giving a person a dummy. <laughs> like in Australia, a dummy is something you put in a baby's mouth so they can suck yeah. on and feel pacified. Like yeah. in the, I think in the States they call it a pacifier. a pacifier. And it's like giving a person a pacifier or a dummy so that they could <laughs> and feel nice and secure and safe while they're hearing a whole heap of truth. Yes. Um, and a person and who my, loves you doesn't do that. No, right? because actually in that addiction, I'm fostering the lack of growth in both of us. Correct. I'm saying... I'm afraid of what's happening and I don't want to feel that. I'm yeah. afraid of even, it might not even be a real thing that might happen in you, yeah. but because I'm living in fear, I'm avoiding that. So I'm avoiding growth. And I'm also wanting to limit the amount you're going to grow through what I say because there's not a full confrontation of the truth. Well, what, what, what it is, is that the true thing it is, is the expression of fear. Yes. In you. Yeah. The person who does that is not acknowledging their own fear. And their own fear is that if they share the truth, even if it's in a loving and gentle way, they feel the other person will have an overreaction to it and get angry and resentful and then there'll be some kind of breakdown of their relationship in some way or some kind of feedback system where they no longer get their own addictions met. Yeah. Now, all that is is an avoidance of your own feelings. Exactly. Which is actually not truth. No. <laughs> not the absorption of truth. No. And it's not loving. Exactly. If every time you try to avoid your own feelings, even the feelings of being potentially attacked, if you try to avoid them, then you're not in a loving state. Exactly. So, so it's very counterproductive to, to attempt to share truth with a person in that manner and at the, then, then at the same time uh, try to pacify their response. Yeah. And, in, and the fact is that a lot of people need to have an angry response to feel their own resistance. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I was going to go on to say. So what I notice in, tho in those interactions that I had in the past, I, everyone, you know, not everyone, but a lot of th people thought I was a very nice lady. Yes, of course. And um, that was my aim. <laughs> which was aim. your aim. <laughs> and they thought I was quite loving and of kind. Of course, which was your aim as which well. Which was also my aim. <laughs> but it wasn't the truth because no. I was, as you've just pointed out, living in my fear. Yeah. Now, and it's not when... loving to feed their addictions or your own. Exactly. So you weren't being loving. I wasn't being loving mm. in any way. Mm. Now, I have grown a bit from that point. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel much clearer now about when I'm going to speak to someone and I do that in the context of situations where 
they, we already have a, an understanding that they want to receive truth from me. So yes. I don't do it with the supermarket checkout girl. Yeah. But if I'm in, in interaction with a person who's already said to me, look, I want to grow in love, yeah. then, I, then I'll be clear and direct with them about yes. what I see is going on. Yes. So that means that I just say, well, I said to someone yesterday, you are just incredibly angry with men. <laughs> it is comes out of you like a huge barrage. Yeah. And, and in, in this case, I said, I don't actually know the exact causes, but I can tell you that that's what comes out of you. Yeah. And I do know the process you're going to have to go through in order to find the cause. Yeah. And didn't you also say that, that you could feel in her a feeling that... If a, if, a, if a person has a penis, then it means they should be attacked. <laughs> yes. I mean, I was very clear and direct with this person yeah. um, because I know that it's taken... Uh, well, I know the power of receiving that truth from someone who's not judging you. And yes. I didn't feel any sense of judgment towards her. Yes. But I felt that it was actually an act of love to give her this awareness. Yes. Uh, um, and five years ago, that I... I would have frozen in terror at even being able to speak that so directly. Yes. And remember your emails five years ago, you'd do two or three pages of email that didn't really say anything <laughs> at all and wasn't direct at all. And hope they'd and, get it. And hope they'd get it. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, you know, two or three paragraphs of email with very point, you know, each yeah. point very clear and, and, and being afraid when you click the send button. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But mm. also recognising exactly what you said, that... I personally have had a lot of resistance to a lot of things. Yeah. I've had to get angry. And I, I know now that my brothers and sisters out there, sometimes they're going to need to go through anger in yeah. order to just... Like, my anger was a big indication to me. When I realised I'm angry, I couldn't deny I had a problem anymore. Exactly. I wanted to deny it. Well, but... uh, should we say a self-reflective person who gets angry can't deny that they have a problem anymore. Yeah. But a non-self-reflective person who gets angry <laughs> usually does deny that they have a problem and usually thinks that everyone else is the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but obviously, yeah, if, you try, if you're attempting to grow in love and you're self-reflective, one in the key indicator that you're very resistive is, is your anger. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah, so I suppose in those interactions, I don't get as many people believing that I'm a loving, nice, kind girl. Of course. But actually, I'm more confident because I feel the love inside of me when I, do, when I am able to communicate in that way. I know I'm not judging. I actually do have compassion because, yeah. hey, I've been the person in resistance. Exactly. Um, and, so, and I also have been the person who's received the truth with the presence of love and it's changed me. Yeah. And so I feel much more confident, not in every situation. No. I'm not without addiction. It's a growing thing, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Mm. But very many more people feel very much that I'm not loving in yes. that state. And they believe their celestial guides are more loving than that because it's all very gentle and kind. And, and I feel there's no lack of gentleness here. Exactly, exactly. And the reality is true celestial spirit communication involves a lot of very, very frank conversation with That's a lot of That's what I love. say, yes. And, and if, if that is not, is not occurring, yeah. then it's totally because the person has an addiction with the first fear spirit who they probably believe is a celestial spirit yeah. and they, they are receiving information from a first fear spirit feeding their addictions and they go, isn't it wonderful? I get all of my addictions met by these spirits. I think I'll call them my guides and I think <laughs> I'll call them celestial spirits so that I can feel good about it. And honestly, you're just being in self-delusion yeah. in that state. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a pointless state, actually for your own progression. Mm. You know, it's far better to acknowledge that, yes, there is a lot of hard things that you're going to have to acknowledge about yourself and your own condition, and the sooner you do it, the better. Yeah. 
and the sooner you allow yourself to see that your concept of love is completely different than God's, the faster you're going to progress. Yeah. It's certainly an issue that's affected the, the clarity of my mediumship as a medium. Mm. While I still have addictions and fears of people's responses, I know, my, my guides tell me and the celestial spirits that come to speak through me tell me, mm. we're not able to say everything we want. Like yeah. they want to be direct and exactly. clear and straight to the point because they yeah. know that's the only way you, a person, that maximises the potential yeah. for growth for a person. Exactly. Um, but my fear of, of public opinion often limits their ability to do that and yes. it's something that I feel quite... Um, it's an ethical issue for myself. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. If, if a person reflects upon the fact that all celestial spirits want to help you get beyond your resistance, they want to see, help you see that what is dominating your soul at the moment mostly is your unhealed emotional state. They want to help you get past the preclusive concepts that you have inside of yourself that stop you from progression. And they want to help you start absorbing some more truth. Now, to do that, they have to confront within you all of the error. And to do that, they're going to have to be quite strong about it because you don't want to confront all of the truth within you. Most of us have no desire to confront it uh, at the beginning of our you know, endeavour to grow. And we have no desire to confront it. So, so they have to help us through this process. And so their attempts are always trying to help us get to the state where they can be frank with us. Mm -hmm. And the, the fact that most people who think they're communicating to celestial spirits feel they're nice and gentle, the reality is that, that the majority of celestial spirits, if they did come to speak with people on earth, the people on earth would believe them to not be gentle. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the people who they believe are gentle are actually in addiction with them and are actually first fear spirits just wanting to get some of their own addictions met mm -hmm. through a codependent relationship. So I find that's... That is very, very common, commonly happening even now. And it will continue to do so while a person remains completely in the state where they wish to avoid any confrontation of their own condition. Yeah, mm. because it's also true, isn't it, that if we're sensitive to the presence of love, then that confusion doesn't happen at all. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because the bigger presence of a celestial spirit is the biggest presence is love and Correct. if we are yeah. open to that and sensitive to that we can we can discern so easily yes. hey um and they will say very truthful things to you yeah and they won't skirt around any issues they're very direct mm -hmm. and in fact if they they will give you one-liners and if you don't take them they'll go okay that's that's all i'm going to say about this subject and off they go you know they're not the kind of people that hang around sometimes like i do and talk to you for an hour <laughs> trying to trying to help you see the, the issue Generally, they'll, uh, they'll just say, no, well, you don't want to see the issue. That's fine. That's your call. Yeah. Um, I'll go and help somebody who does yeah. want to see the issue. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this is something we need to learn on Earth too. You know, we need to stop spending as much time yeah. with people who have no desire to grow, mm -hmm. no desire for progression, mm -hmm. and we need to spend more time with the people who have a true desire to grow and to progress. And this is one reason why we've started to have less seminars sometimes lately because we can feel that the people have reached a point of intellectual saturation of material mm. without there being any true motive to grow. Yeah. And that, that's an issue, you know. And we want to go and spend time with the people who have a true motive to grow. Yeah. And, and that means doing things like this because things like this are great because 
because it's only the people who have a true motive to grow that might listen to it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the other people will look at it and go, I don't want to know about that. That all sounds all pretty theoretical to me, you know, <laughs> and they'll go on something else. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose it's something that um, we're trying to focus on a lot of the content, aren't we, so that yeah. it's, a, it's a resource in, in time to come and for Correct. whoever might want to pick it up at, at a certain time. Yes. And, and have a so we, we feel quite strongly there are quite a lot of people on this planet who do have a true desire to grow, but at the moment are quite disillusioned about growth and feel that maybe growth isn't possible. And, and the more we can share sooner or later, and the information will get out, out there uh, through all sorts of communication mechanisms. Yeah. And eventually all of the people who are on Facebook who are unloving to each other, even though they call it a Divine Truth Forum or whatever, all of those kind of people will realise, well, I am being unloving to my brother or sister and, and it feels like I'm being unloving and they feel yeah. like I'm being unloving. And we're not, you know, we're here trying to attack each other and denigrate each other, which is actually not the presence of love. And then they will start questioning perhaps their own, mm. you know, they have some kind of more, more rapid and more honest self-assessment. And that would be fantastic. But the presence of love should be the way that any person who's sincere about growing measures somebody's true intention for them. Mm -hmm. So... so if, if I can feel in another person that they are loving when they try to talk with me about a subject, I will listen to them for hours, yeah. right? Even if I disagree with everything they say, yeah. I'll, I'll communicate with them for hours. If a person comes to me thinking they want some kind of truth, but at the same time are very unloving to me, you know, it, it will be like to have a five-minute interaction, to, to be frank. Yeah. Because cause they, there's no desire for love, there's no desire for growth, there's no real desire for truth. And, and their soul precludes the absorption of any new information that could help them out of that state. Yeah. So what's the point of spending any time? Yeah. Not much point. Yeah. 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 And perhaps an important thing that you just touched on there, you were saying that it's important that, um, you know, when the presence, when someone has a presence of love, then great, let's spend time with them. But you also mentioned about the ability for us to self-reflect when we are interacting with others. Do I feel present with love right now? Mm. And if I don't, then and should what, I really be speaking? Yeah, should I really open my mouth? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, like I feel quite strongly that we have, an in, we have a mind and obviously we've talked about the mind a bit and, and we can utilise this mind to shut up <laughs> when we need to shut up. Yep. And p when we need to shut up is when we don't feel loving. Yeah. That's when we need to shut up, really, because we need to go away and, and go through the emotional reasons why we feel so unloving and we feel like we want to speak up in an unloving way. Mm. You know, that's the best time to shut up, in yep. fact. And, and even if we believe we're being loving and people around us feel that we're not loving, then just analyse two things. Are we meeting their addictions? Or, or not. Yep. If we're meeting their addictions and they feel that we're being unloving, mm -hmm. <laughs> then that's true. Yeah. If we're meeting their addictions and they feel we're being loving, that that's false. Yeah. And if we're meeting, if we're not meeting their addictions and they think we're being loving, yeah. that's true. Yeah. And if we're, you know, so you know, these things we need to consider, like, yeah. what are the interactions with the individuals? So what's going on with the, you know, with the personal interactions? But we're best keeping our mouth shut when we can feel within us an unloving emotion. 
because it's not going to end very well, generally. No, no, it's not. And, and we can end up doing more damage to ourselves yeah. and to the people around us yeah. uh, because we're just lacking the sincerity to just say, look, And I'm we're not in the state where we're going to learn anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm far too invested in speaking right now. Yeah. There's and you can just say, look, like, you know, I can feel I'm just getting angry about this subject yeah. now and I've just got to go away and have a good <laughs> feel about what, why I'm so angry about it, you know, yeah. what, what's causing me to feel so angry yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that's a great, um, I think, discussion about presence. Yeah. Have we discussed most of the points yes, that we raised? Yes, that, yeah. that we had made a note of. Yeah. Um, just we'd mentioned that without love we can analyse the message on its merits. I think we covered that. Um, yes, I feel we still have the capacity intellectually to analyse the uh, a message and to determine whether it has a degree of truth or not that we need to perhaps feel about. Yeah. Um, it, it's not always the case that we can do so, of course. And for example, if a person is purposely raising an issue of truth with you to point out one of your errors that you don't want to know about, mm -hmm. then they are obviously being unloving. But let's say you do want to know about it um, and they are pointing it out to you and you do want to know about it, but they are being unloving. You've got to be very careful about absorbing their emotion that comes with that mm. so-called truth. Now, the fact that you're sitting there already absorbing it is an indication that the error, the real error not the, is not the one they're discussing with you. Yep. But actually, the real error is that you're sitting there absorbing a heap of, you know, very damaging and abusive emotions while they're discussing it with you. And that would be the truth you would be focused on. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so sometimes I'm in situations where a person's telling me a whole heap of things about myself that I know are completely untrue. But I'm, I'm wondering while I'm, why I'm sitting there and absorbing it. Right? Because that's the truth I need to look at. Mm -hmm. why, why am I still sitting here absorbing it? Why am I still attracting this kind of a person? And why do they think they can get away with this kind of a discussion uh, inside of their soul? There's got to be something in my soul that's allowing this to flow and allowing them to attack me in some way without there being some... So there must be a hole there, yeah. some kind of error inside of my soul that allows this process to occur and that's the truth I need to focus on yeah. so they might be speaking and I'm thinking yeah I'm thinking about something completely different <laughs> and, and I can see I've got a problem with that thing yeah. <laughs> not yeah. the thing you're speaking about but yeah. the thing that uh, is demonstrable through the emotional condition I yeah. must say it's very humbling for me at times to experience the difference of what is attracted when I'm with you and when I'm not with you. Yeah. Because there is such a strong presence of love and truth within you that very often people just don't feel okay to behave in ways that they still feel okay to behave around me yeah. in terms of a lack of love or a lack of truth. And yes. that's to do with my fears and unhealed emotions and my addictions and things. Yes. Yeah. And that's why sometimes, you know, people don't speak up very much at a group where they, would, they normally speak behind our back. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, you know, a group, they might attend a group, but they won't say the things they said to us behind our back because they can automatically feel the presence of love there and the presence of truth there and they automatically feel that they are out of harmony with love if they say something and that they and so they don't say anything but then because their dominance of their soul is that they still want to be out of harmony with love when they go away from that situation their soul dominates and they speak up the unloving thing that they 
always have felt, felt but yeah. they never felt in my presence that they could say. Yeah. 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 Mm. Okay. Um, I think that's all that we had that we wanted to speak about sure. presence. Yeah. But basically, to summarise, you've basically explained that when someone has the truth within their soul, they'll be able to express that truth with love, they'll yep. be able to explain it clearly, the causes for it, and um, how to remove it. They'll honour the free will of the individual that they're communicating with. And they'll have understanding and compassion while they're doing it. While they're doing it. Yep. And something I think you spoke about with Luli, and you've mentioned again today, was just that you can be um, in a progression in of terms of the, the presence of love. so Well, we're, we're, if we're a progressive soul, which, we've, which is one of the principles of the soul's functions, yep. you know, obviously we're in a state of progression. That means that we're not going to be perfect on any of these points until we're at one with God. Yep. So, so what we've got to come to see is that, is that at any one point in time, we are in different states with regard to these particular functions of the soul. Yeah. And until we become at one with God, that will remain the case. Mm. So we're not going to be able to be perfected in love until this time that God, we're at one with God. Yeah. And, but, but if we allow ourselves to understand these particular principles of how the soul functions, we have a, we have a way to become at one with God. Yes. And we start to more accurately examine the underlying things that are going on within our soul that cause us to not be at one with God. Yeah. And this allows us to have a true self-assessment of yeah. our own condition. So I feel that's what's essential here, to, to be able to see yourself as you truly are and to understand how to get from where you truly are to becoming at one with God where you are 100% of the time present in love, in love. and 100% of the time understanding how the soul functions mm. all the time. Like you don't, And then after that point, it's no longer a theory, it's fact, and so you don't need the theory anymore, yes. obviously. Yeah. Um, and so every celestial spirit knows all of these principles we're discussing about how the human soul functions and feels that, yes, why do we need to discuss them? Because <laughs> we all know how it works. <laughs> you know, yeah. We yeah. don't need to discuss them anymore. You, you know because it's now in your soul. Even yeah. the knowledge of how your own soul functions is in your soul now. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a beautiful place to be at, obviously, because it enables you, after that point, to grow even more rapidly, uh, because there's obviously still growth after you become one with God in those terms of the condition. And, and this enables you to make this progress, because you now fully understand in your soul as emotions how the soul itself functions okay. and so, so therefore you know fully in your soul how to grow after that point yeah you don't need the assistance of another to help you grow although that assistance is still kindly offered yes obviously yeah, yeah. and the, okay and the other thing i suppose you said conversely was mm -hmm. that you talked about ways we can analyze whether there is a presence of love mm -hmm. with the truth being delivered. And mm -hmm. so when there's things like attack, belittling, humiliation... Mm -hmm. um, Character no, assassination. Yep, no logical flow, like ideas able to be presented or mm -hmm. being presented or demonstrated even. Mm -hmm. um, and, and attempts to manipulate your free will. Mm -hmm. If all of those things are being done or said in the context of sharing a supposed truth... Mm -hmm then it's safe for us to analyse it. Well, that 
whatever's being presented, we need to consider. Potentially uh, consider. Yes, but mm. we need to consider in the light of the fact that we know that love is not present with what's Correct. being presented. So, so we have something to work on about why isn't love present. Yep. Yep. Because obviously if love is not being reflected towards us, there is usually a reason within us, not always, but usually a reason within us that allows that to occur. Uh, and, and if it's happening all the time, then we need to examine that. Yeah. I need to state, though, in that second part, yeah. as a caveat, if you like, yeah. as well, that many people believe their character is being assassinated when it is not, yes. when it's just a statement of truth. For example, a celestial spirit will go to a person in the hell and say, you are a liar, a scoundrel and a cheat. And they have been all of those things. And that is a statement of truth. <laughs> the celestial spirit's not trying to character assassinate the individual. Yeah. He's just trying to help the person come to a condition where they see their true state. Similar uh, to the discussion I had with the lady yesterday where I was saying, look, I feel like if someone's got a penis, they're in trouble when it comes to you. Yeah. Yeah. That was not an attempt to uh, assassinate, assassinate her, her character. character. Uh, I wasn't trying to say, and that makes you a bad person. No. I was just saying, and this, this is, is a truth. truth. And this is the state you're currently in. Yeah. So we've got to be very, very careful. See, most people don't have a, the ability to correctly assess when a person is making a statement that they don't like to hear. Mm -hmm. They often want to believe the motive is bad when it may not be. Yeah. And this is a problem that many people on earth face. We often want the motive of a person who's telling us the truth to be bad so that we can ignore the truth they're telling us. Yeah. And we've got to be very careful about such motivations. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they are all errors. Yes. And therefore they all preclude the absorption of more truth. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that discussion. Yeah, we'll it was move. a good discussion about, about that aspect of presence, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the necessity for love to be present, for truth to really exist. Yes. And, yeah. and for, for both love and truth, if both love and truth are present, you have a great ability to grow, yeah. a much better ability than if just truth is present without love. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is our final session in our discussion of how the human soul functions. We're up to our final principle, which is called suppression. And it's not by any means a comprehensive discussion of all you need to know about the human soul but it's just the end of this series that we're doing of yeah. talks between Jesus and I in April 2014. <laughs> There's more to come but this is our last um, part of this series so we're going to discuss the principle of suppression. So, Good eye. Let's uh, firstly read my definition of suppression. Suppression is the principle that a person using their will to suppress any one emotion within the soul will also suppress the entire soul and be therefore unable to experience all emotions to the full extent, whether the emotion being suppressed is painful or pleasurable and whether the emotion desired is pleasurable. Mm. <laughs> the soul is incapable of responding with sensitivity to all emotions when the will is used by the individual to suppress any one particular emotion. This will particularly apply to any emotions that have a similar flavour or quality to the emotion being suppressed. Okay, so that's, <laughs> we can discuss that a little bit firstly, can't we? Yeah. yeah. So basically you're saying that if we suppress one emotion, we pretty much dampen down all of, all of the emotional experience of our soul. Yes. So if, if 
I mean, heavy resistance to one particular thing, my capacity to experience any other feelings is dampened down by that process. Correct. Even if the emotion itself is not related to the other emotions mm. that you would like to experience. Yeah. So, that's, so the, that's the important thing. My suppression of fear uh, very strongly actually uh, limits my capacity to feel any other pleasurable emotion like Correct. joy or excitement or Correct. any and, of those things. And in fact there is often this uh, duality with some emotion. So for example with fear, now that you've raised the issue of fear, the suppression of fear causes automatically the suppression of desire. Mm -hmm. So this is an interesting aspect about desire and fear and how they are related to each other. So, so because these two, uh, these two emotions are like opposite ends of the pendulum, if you suppress one of them, it's highly unlikely you will be able to fully engage the other. Yeah. And in fact, all desires become suppressed by the fear itself that, that is being suppressed. So, so the more you suppress fear within yourself, the more you will find, in fact, that you have most of your desires also suppressed. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so you have this sort of thing where even seemingly unrelated emotions are unable to be experienced because of your desire or using your will to suppress. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is a very, it's a very powerful thing to understand about the soul. And, and what God's trying to teach us with this particular aspect of the soul is that God's trying to say to us, don't suppress anything. As soon as you suppress something, it's stored within you and it then has its effect upon the rest of your existence. Mm. If You need to learn to not suppress anything. Now, obviously, there are uh, loving and unloving ways to deal with emotion. So if a person who has a lot of anger in their soul decides to not suppress their anger and instead go out murdering on a murdering spree, then obviously they are completely out of harmony with love and out of harmony with all of God's laws on that subject. So we're not suggesting that. No. What we're suggesting is they need to feel their anger without taking any actions which, were, which is the denial of their anger, in fact. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm. A person who goes on a killing spree, can we really say they've stopped right. suppressing? They're, no. they're acting out in another way to avoid it, aren't they? Correct. They, yeah. They're using other addictive things that they wish to engage in order to continue to not face up to the fact that they have a lot of fear they're not allowing them to feel, which means they have a lot of fear they are suppressing. Yeah. So, so this is the sad thing about many people who suppress emotion too, is that when you suppress an emotion, you will automatically create an addiction to allow for the suppression of the emotion to occur. Yeah. So, so this is another aspect of suppression we need to understand, and that, that addictions are directly related to our desire to suppress yeah. fears. So it's not... Our addictions are not caused by having fear. No. They're caused by our desire to suppress the feeling of fear that we have. And we need to understand that relationship. And, and so suppression is a very important aspect of our, how our soul functions that we need to understand if we're ever going to progress from, a, from an emotional perspective. Yeah, because mm. it, it sort of feels to me that emotion is created to flow. 
that's it in its most harmonious state. Mm. We allow it to flow through us. Yes. We don't act upon it. We don't suppress it. We just, and sometimes as it's flowing and we realise it's in harmony with love, we might choose to act upon it, yes. but not before we've allowed the flow of the emotion in the soul and to, to allow the experience of that emotion. Yes. And so it seems to me that even all of the other principles that we've discussed happen naturally, like you were speaking in our last discussion about celestial spirits don't need to have the theory written down mm -hmm. because it's all a matter of course for them. Yes. And so if we could understand this one principle of suppression and, and get out of suppression, it seems like all of these other principles would naturally be known and we would also deal with a lot. We would progress. We would... The things that preclude other things would yeah, begin to move. I don't feel move. that's completely the case. Great. Because, because there are issues such as, for example, issues of resistance that can exist even if we're not suppressing. suppressing. Sure. So, so we yeah. need to understand that these, these <laughs> sort of areas of the yeah. soul that we, or how the soul functions, uh, you can't really engage one aspect of them and hope that all of them will be cured. No. They, they need to be understood and engaged collectively. Yeah. They're, not, they're not individually able to be um, engaged and practised sure. uh, uh, in terms of a soul-based way without, uh, without there being some kind of resistance in other directions. Sure. So, so while it's important to acknowledge that suppression has a large effect on people yeah. and effect in fact, a huge effect on people here on Earth. And it, just because we get out of suppression, it doesn't mean we're going to get out of resistance. No. <laughs> so, yeah, you're yeah. right. And I kind of have this strange thing with this whole discussion where I've, when we first sat down to do it, I found it hard to differentiate the different <laughs> principles because they all seem like the same thing to me. But, yes. yeah, so I shouldn't idealise the, yeah. uh, the suppression aspect, I agree. You, you have found from your own experience that suppression has the effect of suppressing other feelings, not just the feeling you're attempting to suppress. Yeah. And I notice this happening a lot in people, and particularly in people who have had abusive or difficult childhoods, whether the abuse has been verbal, emotional, physical or sexual in nature. And generally there is a large degree of suppression of certain memories and thoughts and feelings. And as soon as they do that, they also find themselves quite numb to most of their life yep. and most of their existence. And this is a, a natural consequence of the attempt to suppress one area of their life. And the key is to learn to not suppress it. And I know with some people that is quite difficult given the fact that they've had a lot of very traumatic events occur in their life. So, you know, you and I have both been tortured to death, for example. And so going through the memories of those are quite difficult and there's a tendency to attempt to suppress the memories. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there is a knowledge of that if we attempt to suppress that memory, then there's all sorts of aspects of our life that start to get suppressed as a result. And this is where it's quite difficult. If you have gone through very traumatic events, you have the ability... You, you, when you suppress those traumatic events, you have to use a lot of energy That's and a lot of force of will. I was going to say... Uh bring up next is that it's actually exhausting to live in suppression very exhausting it takes so because we are acting to suppress what how emotion naturally exists in the soul it and and the dominance of our soul almost where we're acting to try and suppress it it just gets so tiring and um yeah 
It's a, it's a major cause, in fact, of death on this planet, mm. given that almost every person who dies of old age dies from suppression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is an interesting statement if you think about it. Basically what I'm saying, that because of the aspect of suppression, the attempt to suppress certain emotions within us, we finish up dying, shutting down all of our emotional flow that occurs in our spirit body that would keep our physical body alive will cause our death. And this is the main reason why people die from old age. Mm. So, so, you know, pretty much all death on this planet <laughs> is pretty much caused by suppression. Suppression. Um, and, and it's such a big issue... And, and we're taught suppression from a very, very young age. And, and oftentimes we're violently taught suppression. So in other words, when a child starts to express its emotion without mm. suppression, the adult generally tries to force the child, some, and many times through, a for, through violent force, will smack the child or, 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 you know, if it's not verbal abuse, it would be physical abuse, where they try to control the child back into suppression. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is a, this is why most of the human race has huge trouble with suppression and why it's such a difficult thing to grasp for most people when they first start feeling their emotion. They, they feel they can select their emotions and you can't. Mm. And this whole concept that you can select th- your emotion and survive and actually grow is flawed completely from the beginning. But you can see why the majority of us are so focused on doing it because it's something we're taught from such a young age. You know, we're taught to do it from the moment we're born and usually even before then, you know, our parents are already through their example suppressing their emotions. So in the womb we're being taught already to suppress our emotions. You know, any time we gave mother a kick, she might have suppressed that feeling rather than go, oh, there's my baby and just acknowledge it. She might go, oh, you know, I feel a bit of anger about being kicked in the bladder and there's a bit of suppression feeling already on that child. And, and then when we're, when we're born, after that it becomes quite intense, the amount of pressure that the average person on the planet receives to suppress. Mm-hmm. So it's no wonder that we have such a trouble with it here on the planet. Well, we get rewarded as children, don't we? Totally. To, here, have a, have a lolly. Have a candy, have a lolly. Um, oh, look out the window, yeah. look at the birdie. And, well, I get, I get sweets and I get attention if I shut up and stop crying. Correct. And so we're almost taught the opposite of what is truthful from our parental relationship with God. Correct. You know, if we allow our emotions, we have more connection with our true parent. Yes. Um, but in our childhood, it was often the reverse, yes. wasn't it? And we have, we, we use, uh, as adults, as parents, we use the candy and the stick, you know, the yeah. carrot and the stick, as yeah. the saying goes. We use both forms of ways to suppress our children. And so our children, by the time they become adults, use those same methods on themselves. Yeah. And this is why we have so many problems with uh, drugs, alcohol, food-based addictions and all those kind of things, which are all tools that were used in our childhood generally to suppress emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to drugs, obviously, and alcohol might not have been, but, uh, but it's uh, the de- definite result of the, uh, the underlying desire of a parent to suppress a child's emotion. And the child obviously then feels totally controlled and totally manipulated, and then when they become an adult, they seek for some kind of outlet for this feeling of being controlled and manipulated through some substance abuse. Mm. So almost every uh, 
form of self-abuse, and I would classify smoking, alcohol, drugs, you know, uh, obesity, and lots of other forms of self-abuse that we have on the planet, have all generally been caused by our per parents wanting us to suppress our emotions. Mm. And, and so it's such a large problem, and it's causing huge medical problems on the planet, uh, lots of problems with uh, what we classify as curable diseases are mm -hmm. all caused by this problem with suppression. Yeah. And so it's a huge problem that we need to address. And it's going to be, if we want to become at one with God, a huge problem inside of us that we need to address. Because yeah. I remember at the beginning of my progression in this life again, I, couldn't, I didn't even know what I felt. I, I, if somebody had asked me, do you feel happy, sad, whatever, whatever, there were times when I knew I felt sad, but it was rare. Most of the time I had no idea what I felt. Yeah. I didn't know when I was happy, I didn't know when I was sad, I didn't know when I was angry, I didn't know when I was f afraid, I didn't know anything. Uh, I had no self-awareness of yeah. any emotion. Personally, I didn't even question. No. I didn't even think, what do I feel right now? No. It was just... And, and I was adept at suppressing, using all forms of techniques, but the, my favourite one was working too hard. So, you know, and a lot of people have that problem, don't they? Yeah. Where they just work, 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 die working almost yeah. um, without the ability to enjoy anything. I think there was one period of my life where I didn't have a holiday for seven years and I was working 120 hours a week on the average, wow. which meant I wasn't getting much sleep. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't have a holiday for seven years. That, that's because I wanted to use that as a tool for suppression. And, and once I broke through those barriers, I started to feel things. Yeah. And, and so this is what is going to be required of a person who's in heavy suppression. They're going to need to have time. They're going to need to slow down their life and have time to analyse their life. Mm -hmm. And the only way you do that is through your will. You have to actually exercise your will to make that decision to do that. Because before that point, we're using our will to suppress, aren't yes. we? And it becomes a question of will again, doesn't it? Yes. That we, we have to shift the use of our will from suppression to desire to know even what we're suppressing or how we're suppressing or yes. why we're suppressing. Yep. Yeah. You could say with this aspect of suppression, there's sort of layers of it. Remember, the whole reason why we're suppressing is driven by some emotional resistance. Yes. So, so, so the whole reason for suppression is not some intellectual thought or some kind of idea or concept. It's a deeply ingrained emotional condition that causes us to suppress. But in order to become open to the reasons why we suppress, we need to go through this sort of process where we firstly become aware that we are suppressing, then what is it that we're suppressing, what, what situations that we're in do we suppress, and this is where we can use our mind very logically to examine things more clearly. Now, of course, if there's an emotion in you that you don't want to do that, then you won't do that. Yeah. But, but my recommendation to people is, look, all the human society has a huge problem with suppression. So be, you need to come, become aware from total denial of this suppression. You need to become aware. And then you need to start to feel the reasons why you suppress. Now, that is going to be an ever-changing like, proposition. You, you can't expect to go from all full suppression to no suppression in one week. It's not going to happen that way. And also you can't expect to go from full suppression on one type of emotion and openness on that same type of emotion 
to then expecting that you're going to be open on every emotion because it yeah. doesn't work that way either. We often have some emotions that we are far more invested in suppressing than, we, than other emotions. And so we need to recognise, and the only way we can recognise is through some very you know, clear, logical analysis of our own behaviour, activities and, and life. Mm -hmm. That's the only way we're going to go through this. Now, now that is a use of our will again. Yes. And this is where it comes down to how are we using our will in our day-to-day -day life. What I find a lot of people doing is they say, I do want to learn about what I'm suppressing. And then I ask them, well, what do you do each day to learn that? Oh, oh nothing. You know, they go, they go out to work for eight hours a day, then they come home, they have dinner, they watch a bit of telly, go to bed, go the next day, you know, have a shower, go to work. There's no time for self-reflection about their own suppression. Mm -hmm. Now, I would suggest to such a person, well, self-suppression and dealing with suppression is not a high priority in your life. Yeah. And if it's not a high priority in your life, the fact is you won't deal with it. Mm. You need to change your life somehow to make it a higher priority in your life. You need to give yourself more time for self-reflection if you're ever going to get out of this condition that was created in your childhood. Yeah. 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 So this is where I feel we need to emphasise to people, use your will. Your will, and we've said this so much in this human soul discussion and this is why you, as you said we will later have a discussion about the use of will yep. but you know we need to learn how to use our will better we need to learn to honor our will we need to learn to take action about our will rather than just go uh, uh, what I feel a lot of people want is some kind of miracle cure it's not like that with the soul there is no miracle cure for the soul you need to take full self-responsibility, you need to have a pure, heartfelt motivation in your soul to change. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is going to change you. And it doesn't matter how much truth you receive, if you don't have that pure, heartfelt desire and motivation, if you don't have those things, you are going to struggle. You are going to struggle so much. Yeah, I, I see that in myself sometimes and I see it in others where we sort of have this idea of like, oh, my soul... You know, and for me, I have a lot of fear about the truth about my soul and, and who I am that I'm working through, taking my time on that. Yeah. Um, but, and we sort of have this idea that somehow magically our emotions are going to appear from this soul that we've lived in such suppression and disconnection from. Yes. And then we'll know what it's all about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that emotion will come up and then I'll know. Yeah. Without really engaging our will to go... This soul is not something separate from me. It's me. It's me. And I'm in charge here. And do I want to know? Do I want to know? <laughs> and it's not going to magically drop in my lap. I'm going to have to go there, find what is inside of me through an effort of my will yes. and, and acknowledge that that process is under the control, as you just said, of my will. Yeah. Um, so I've got to want it and then I've got to do it. Yes. Um, and they're both things that are my responsibility or each of our responsibilities. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody else can take those actions for us. We, there's no single person who can, who can help us feel our own self. Yeah. We are the only... Well, when I say that, that's excluding ourselves. <laughs> we are the only person who is, who is able to feel our self. Yeah. And, and we need to at some point put some 
you know, priority on that. If we're ever going to grow towards God, we're going to need to put some priority on that. That means we're going to need to give ourselves some time. That means we're going to have to restructure our life so that we can make progression. This is why I think many years ago I had a talk with a group of people, um, about 100 people, five or six years ago, about creating a space for soul progression. Mm -hmm. You need to design your life so that you can get out of suppression and into feeling the resistances you have to progression. Then you will make progression. Yeah. And what I find is a lot of people almost expect there to be some magical solution. Mm-hmm. And so when you say to them, well, you need to do some effort on this, you can feel from them that they don't want to take the effort on it. They just want some magical pill to pop. You know, they want somebody, some medic, somebody in the medical provision to make them a pill that they can pop. <laughs> or, or a they, process. Or a process. Or, yeah. or they want to go along to a psychologist and sit with him and he does all the work for them. Or they want to, you know, they, they, want, to, they want someone else to do it for them, their partner their friends, their mates, their colleagues, their, their doctor, their psychologist, their, you know, whatever it is that they're looking for. But <clears throat> they, they want that because they don't want to have to do it themselves. And that is one of our resistances. You know, that's <laughs> one of the areas. That if we have that resistance, I'd, I'd say to you, try to deal with that first. Because if you don't deal with that, you're going to cause so many problems with your progression. Yeah. yeah. And that's really... Um awesome I think what you just said that if you are willing to find your resistances and you make time for that and you sit with that engager will progress will happen correct because I know I still hate sitting with my resistance (laughs) you know a lot of times because it feels like in that place well no this is the reason why nothing is moving I don't want to be with this I want to get moving and 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 I don't know how many times I have to go through working through resistance to really like remember next time that if I just sit with the resistance, it will begin to change. You know, the reasons why I don't want to grow, if I let myself experience them emotionally, I will begin to grow. Yeah. And sometimes we've had discussions, haven't we, where I've said, sometimes I like to tie you down and to say, (laughs) don't do anything, just feel, you know, don't do anything. Because I feel there's so many distractions in the life that we have here on earth. The average person on earth has created a life of distraction where every single moment is taken up with time of something. And we have all these gadgets now that, that, you know, if you're not watching telly at the same time as you're texting, at the same time as you're listening to some music and at the same time... Getting a Facebook update. And and doing your homework if you're a child, then you're not really switched on, you know, and there's no time to do any one thing. And, and, And this is a problem because... There are, there are so many tools that we now can use in an addictive manner in order to maintain suppression of our soul. Yeah. And it's only when you give your soul space, when you give yourself space and time, that you'll start to notice what's really going on in your soul. Yeah. And some of the times you, you wish you could take everything away from a person and put them in a padded room and say, <laughs> now just feel and don't do anything and I'll feed you three days, <laughs> you know, three times a day and occasionally two times a day just to help <laughs> that one as well. And I was going to say, could all the meals be chocolate? <laughs> yeah, and just, and just help the person get out of this state of, you know, uh, desiring to constantly suppress their emotional life. And obviously you couldn't do that and be in harmony with love no. because, you know, there's the issue of uh, a person's free will and exactly. what they choose to do. And also their will and the dominance of their soul could mean that they sit in 
you know, sit in the padded cell and create a way to play noughts and crosses for the next six months. <laughs> You've kind of got to want to emotionally go to your Correct. emotional padded yeah. cell and just create the, the yeah. space for emotions to yes. arise, don't you? And while there are tools and techniques that we can use to help us out of resistance and out of suppression, unless the soul's will is actively engaged in wanting that, it's very, very hard for a person to maintain any momentum doing so. Yeah. And, and pr true progression can really only continuously occur when we maintain the momentum of confronting all of our resistance and all of our suppression. Yeah. That, that then the natural process of the soul that you observe in a child becomes a part of you as an adult. Mm. And once that happens, then you naturally go through processes emotionally that you before were heavily suppressing or resisting. Yeah. 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 So I feel the average person doesn't honour the fact that they are actively using their will to suppress mm -hmm. and the average person doesn't honour the fact that they are not taking any responsibility for their own soul to stop suppression. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that's two areas that pe people need to look at if they're ever going to get out of that condition of suppression. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is where you spoke a lot yesterday when we talked about resistance, about the person's responsibility yes. to see these things and to act, to, to take responsibility for what, you, what we're choosing and how we're using our will. Yes. And while we may not have created the problem of suppression within us, and for most of us that is definitely the case, that the creation of suppression was caused by our environment and our parental upbringing, while we might not have created it, we are certainly responsible for its maintenance. Yeah. And this is what we need to come to terms with. We are often maintaining what other people created and we often now have the belief systems that such suppression is worth doing still. And this is contrary, completely contrary to the way God designed your soul. Mm. So, so you are naturally going to experience quite a lot of pain while you are in suppression. You are naturally, and, and often we try to suppress that, we try to become numb to that, and we get to the point where we're almost numb to everything, even, in our desire to suppress. Yeah. And that is under the control of our own will. So while other persons may have damaged us with this aspect of suppression, we can't then blame them for maintaining the state. We need to see that only we can get out of this state of suppression, and we are going to have to take some pretty like strong willed steps mm. in order to do so. We're going to have to exercise our will in a very firm manner sometimes with ourselves. I, I had a discussion with Tristan, my son, the other day, and he said he's, he's been in suppression a lot and he's been using video games to suppress. And so what he decided to do, and he spent lots and lots of money on these videos. Like, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he spent thousands of dollars or even more than that on yeah. these, on these uh, videos and machines to play them, of course. And, and he said what he did was he gave them all away to, to places that look after children and all these other things and, and gave all of his games away and everything and just so that he could confront the fact that he was using these tools to suppress. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and it does take sometimes that kind of an action before you will actually become face-to-face -face with some of the resistive emotions that, you, mm -hmm. that you're facing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So there's that aspect, okay. which is the aspect of using our will to suppress mm -hmm. and then changing our will and then using our will to no longer suppress 
and, and using our will to create a life so that uh, suppression is more difficult. Yeah. So this is an active way that we can use our will. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so what about um, when we just simply don't understand this principle of suppression? Yes, uh, I suppose you could say now this is a situation of ignorance that many people are in, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so to me there's these two issues. There's how am I using my will positively or negatively? And then there's I didn't know I could use my will. <laughs> it's over discussion, right? Yep. And, and and also I didn't know that if I suppress one emotion, then all I suppress the others, everything. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't know, you know, all of these things about the soul. And this is where I feel that education is a very important aspect when it comes to learning about how the soul functions. One of the reasons why we have spent so much time on this particular group of discussions is because we feel that the majority of people are not very well educated about how their soul works. Mm -hmm. And they want to believe it works differently. They want to believe that you can change something intellectually and all of a sudden something will change. They want to believe that it's easier than it actually is. They want to believe that, you know, there's no... They don't have to feel their pain. They want to believe these things. They want to believe they can suppress without feeling that there's going to be any other penalty for such an action. They want to believe that they can resist and they'll still be able to grow. Mm -hmm. None of those things are true. And, and yet we want to believe them. And so this is about educating ourselves. We need to go over and over this material, I feel. If we really want to get out of suppression and we really want to get into progression, particularly towards God, we need to allow ourselves now to be educated about all of these aspects and what happens to the soul if we don't do them. And my suggestion to people is, look, many of you would probably hear this material and many of you will possibly agree, disagree with a lot of it. Well, what I suggest to you is while you disagree with it, you're going to find progression very, very difficult towards God. If you could at least have a little smidge of faith and a little bit of trust in what we're saying to you about progression and about how progression actually can occur and how the actual human soul functions, and if you could allow yourself to have an open enough mind to actually look at all of this material and examine it, then you have a chance now of using this faith as a method of actually being able to now potentially progress. Yes. And my suggestion is, if educate yourself. If, if nothing else, educate yourself about your own soul. It's yours. <laughs> it's going to be with you for the rest of your existence. You need to know about it and educate yourself about how it functions. And, and if, even if you don't believe anything else about divine truth, at least understand how your soul functions and at least test it out. Pro, like go through some experiments to see whether what we're saying to you about these particular aspects of the soul actually work. And I feel this is how we get out of this state of ignorance with suppression as well. How we get out of the state of ignorance with suppression is by actually educating ourselves and coming to have some faith that when we suppress one emotion, we are going to be suppressing lots of other things. And when we suppress one emotion, even if it's fear, we are going to be suppressing Good emotions such as desire and love and, you know, expression and things like that, they're all going to be suppressed too. We need to understand that our soul wasn't built to suppress emotions. Mm. It was built by God to express emotions. So if we are suppressing emotion, we are actively working against 
the operation of how the soul was built to function. And this is something that we need to get and understand. And, and I feel hardly anybody on the planet understands like at this point in time. There are so many people we talk to still believe, and sometimes you still believe, don't you? Still believe that you can suppress one thing and everything will be all right in other aspects of your life. And it does not work. It, it just does not, not work. work. And, and we need to come at some point to understand those particular truths. And the only way we can do that is by educating ourselves and then taking this second action, which is experimenting with the concepts that have been presented about how the soul functions, to see whether they are true or not. Because the feedback does come. We quickly learn. And even through creating a bit of space for ourselves and to feel and experiment with these principles that we've outlined, we quickly come to realise that that they're not so foreign and actually these things have been operating all this time Mm. Um, and it's just that we haven't always wanted the awareness of it. Yes. And one other thing I feel we need to mention is that God created all human souls with these functions. (laughs) We quite often get emails. No exceptions. Yeah, no exceptions. (laughs) We quite often get emails from people where my situation is unique. I'm sorry, I cannot agree that your situation is unique. I believe that your personality is unique, certainly. But your situation, no. There's been many people in human history who have had similar situations to yourself and every single one of us have been created with this ability to feel. And in fact, the human soul was designed to express feelings, Mm. was designed to express emotions. And that is every human soul, (laughs) not your soul or my soul only, and, and there's not a whole group of souls that don't have that ability. Yeah. Every human soul has to be devised with these functions. It would be very cruel of God to not give this capacity to every human soul, in fact, if you think about it logically. And God has given this ability to express and feel emotions as a way to enjoy life to every single human who has ever lived and who will ever live on this planet. Mm -hmm. So we need to stop thinking about ourselves as, oh, my case is unique and I, you know, uh, find it difficult to feel emotions and that's because of my personality. No, it's not because of your personality. It's because of your injuries of suppression (laughs) that cause you to find the, the emotions difficult to feel and release. And you need to use your will, particularly if you're an adult, you need to use your will now to stop maintaining this state and get into the childlike state that you can be in as an adult and be a very intelligent and, and straightforward adult in that state. Yeah. And so what we, we need to do is probably suggest to people that stop thinking about yourself as a special case <laughs> and start seeing yourself as, yes, I'm one of God's creations who created with me with all of these functions of my soul and all I need to do is learn how to use them. All I need to do is learn how I am suppressing them and how I'm resisting them and how I'm precluding them and how I'm resisting the dominance of love in my soul and how I'm trying to prevent myself from absorbing new truth. I need to take full responsibility for that because it is a capacity of everyone's soul. Mm -hmm. Whether and, and, and the only time that that doesn't apply 
is if there's a person with intellectual disabilities or some other disabilities that, are, that does not allow the understanding, and sometimes they understand more about the soul than the average person, mm. ironically, mm -hmm. but, but even those people, when they arrive in the spirit world, are taught about how the soul functions. Yeah. Every person eventually is taught about how the soul functions. And, and sooner or later, you're going to need to understand how the soul functions. Whether you decide to progress towards God or not, you will need to know how your soul functions because if you do not, you will struggle even on the progression on the other path, which doesn't involve God. Yes. You'll yeah. still struggle. But you will definitely struggle when it comes to progressing with God because God has lots and lots of emotions that God feels for you and God wants you to feel them and if you're resistive to that process you'll never feel them <laughs> never ever yeah. and so you know it, we need to understand that if we want to progress on this path to God it is an essential part of our progression yeah. to come to understand and understand how our soul functions when it comes to emotion yeah yeah so I think that's probably a good place to I stop our a, discussion. It's a great place um, to... So we hope that you have enjoyed our discussion about the human soul and how it functions. And we hope that it's helped you understand far better what's happening inside of yourself that causes yourself to go into a state where you're resistive or go into a state where you're suppressing or go into a state that causes you to not be able to progress towards God. So that's what we've hoped we've achieved through this discussion. And I'd like to thank Mary in the second half of the discussion and Luli in our first half of the discussion for going through these principles with me. And we'd also like to thank Igor, who's behind the camera that's facing myself, and Lena, who's behind the camera facing herself, uh, facing Mary, uh, for the uh, recording of the information. And we now have a third camera in that direction there, you see, uh, which no one is behind because we have a, a, a funny video switching unit which allows us to have a more live sort of a conversation. So hopefully you're enjoying the fact that we've got a bit better technology in these discussions. But uh, I think the next port of call with this discussion is going to be for us to discuss aspects about emotion and then how these points of the human soul functions fit into the discussion about emotions and how to work through emotions. So hopefully you can join us with our discussion about emotions as well at some point in the future and what we'll do there is we'll discuss emotion and we'll also discuss how emotion effect, uh, is affected by how the human soul actually functions. So I hope that you will enjoy that discussion as well. We would like to close now and thanks for your time, babe. And, Thank you. Uh, thanks and we look for the forward great to discussion. seeing you again in another discussion.